0: I'm Kate Daniels. Before Twitter and the internet, before TV news, we actually got the big news stories of the day from a magazine. The top magazine, Life. A weekly, it conveyed the news in pictures. Gerald Moore, a writer, editor with Life magazine, joins us this morning to give some important insights and perspectives of history of a bygone era. Gerald Moore shares this history in some great depth in his memoir, Life Story: The Education of an American Journalist. Gerald Moore, good morning. Thank you so, so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Well, thank you Kate for having me. I'm very, I'm delighted to be here.
0: You bring with us just just this incredible number of fascinating stories in your memoir, Life Story, The Education of an American Journalist. And I really see this, and perhaps this was definitely intentional, that there's this play on words, Life Story being, of course, the magazine, but also because of the way that you've approached this, it's your Life Story. So it's really fascinating.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. I, um, I, I have, I have had uh, at least parts of my life have been remarkable. I mean, not, uh, not because of anything I did. It's, it's just I've just been a very lucky person.
0: Well, I, you know, there is that we can always, I think, regard situations as being lucky, you know, we were in the right place at the right time. But there's also a way of, uh, y- you began to have a vision, essentially, and that seemed to, you know, maybe hold the course and maybe th- that sort of thing for yourself. For any of us, as we hold that vision and have a focus, doors begin to open, opportunities come our way.
1: Well, it's, it's true. I mean, I think a, a good example of that was... Uh, when I, I wanted to get the uh, Life Stringership in uh, New Mexico, That's a Stringership is a sort of part-time local correspondent for national magazines, and a, a good friend of mine had the Stringership and uh, and resigned it. And um, I uh, very much wanted it, so I, I called the uh, Los Angeles Bureau to ask if I could have it, and they said, well, the, the man that you need to talk to is on the floor of the GOP convention in San Francisco. Uh, this was in 64 when they were about to nominate Goldwater. And I, without really uh, giving it very much thought, I said, well, this is very, very important. You have to get him off the convention floor so I can talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they actually did, which, to, to my amazement. He, he was pretty amused, actually. He he uh, he said, uh, you know, in a kind of amused and slightly condescending way, yes, Gerald, you can be the stringer in New Mexico. Now, I've got to go watch Goldwater be nominated. <laughs>
0: And so in your experience of doing that, were you feeling that this was important? You didn't feel that, oh, well, you know, he's doing something that's really critical at this time. Uh, just let him know to call me.
1: Well, you know, I I, I don't think I even th- thought about that. I was so focused on getting the stringership because I felt that it was going to put me in touch with, with the journalism at a national level. And I very much wanted to do that. Um, and I... I I don't know. I just I didn't uh, didn't think. Well, you know, I'm going to be bothering him. I I think probably the assertiveness of getting him off the floor may have also helped convince him that I was the right guy to be their their man in New Mexico.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's the kind of thing you never know how your passion then is going to be interpreted or how it actually. Really makes that impact for accomplishing the next step in your journey in your career.
1: True, absolutely true, um, and uh, the, I think a, a, a good career is a combination of of some really lucky breaks, but also of having the. I think you were use the word vision to to see a break and to take advantage of it when it's presented to you. I, you know, I could have just said, "Oh well." Uh, I'll call him next week sometime and see if, if maybe I can have the stringership. And that probably would not have had the same outcome.
0: You know, I would agree with you that there was just kind of that nonchalant approach is not the kind of passionate, determined, focused person they, they would want for this kind of position, particularly.
1: I, I think that's true. I do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, just kind of in general then, in terms of, of your life, of life story, of uh, the kind of message that this can project to other people, you know, at various stages of their career. Certainly, though, to young people, because for you, you, it's not as though this was a dream a, as a as a kid that this is what you wanted to do. Just to know that sometimes we kind of stumble around, not sure of of where we're going, and then the real critical role that teachers can play in our lives.
1: Well, I yes, um I, some people know when they're 12 they, they want to be a doctor or they know at 14 that they want to be an actor. And I I didn't. I I I wanted to be everything and 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 I wasn't sure that I wanted to be anything. Um you know, I I went to my father once for counseling on this and and I said, "Well, I'd like to be a lawyer." And he said, uh, lawyers spend a lot of time doing really boring work." And I said, "Well, maybe I'll be a doctor." And he said, You want to spend your life with sick people? I said, "No, I'll be a psychiatrist." He said, "You want to spend your life with crazy people?" Um, He wasn't very helpful in uh, in his uh, vocational counseling. But so I found myself at age twenty four, not really sure uh, what I should do, and uh, and then kind of having an epiphany that. but being a reporter, being a newsman, being a journalist was 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 suited to me. I was I was curious. I was nosy. I I liked to find out about things. Um, I, I liked the lack of routine that that journalists had. And and I was lucky enough that I knew um, a, a childhood uh, acquaintance was a was an editor at the local newspaper in Albuquerque. And and I called them, and they happened to be looking for people to uh, to go to work there. And uh, he invited me down. I had I had worked on the on the Albuquerque Police Department as a as a patrolman for two years while I finished college, and uh, and I didn't really think that that had anything to do with journalism. And to my astonishment, the editor said um, during my interview he said, "Well, I, I think that policemen and and reporters do a lot of the same things. They investigate things and write reports. Did you write a lot of reports on the police department?" And of course, I said. I wrote tons of reports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a big part of the job, right?
1: Well, actually, it is. I mean, you don't think about uh, policemen writing reports, but uh, and they, and policemen don't love writing reports for the most part, but they write a lot of reports, and they're important because they become part of the record that um, that guides uh, sometimes criminal prosecutions and defenses and and so forth.
0: And the thing that's interesting as to how all of this evolved for you, and I think, again, is a a great lesson for any of us to see that these decisions that we make, you, you worked at the police department because it was going to support your being able to continue going to school because of the shift work and the time to be able to study kind of thing. So, you would not think, okay, this is definitely going to be a critical point, a, a good stepping stone toward a career in journalism.
1: I absolutely did not think that. In fact, I, I, I guess if anything, I would have thought that 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 being a policeman was a was a, a sidetrack. That was, you know, that the two years were just kind of marking time until I could get out of school and and then go um, pursue whatever I was going to do. It, it turned out that not only was it I think the editor that, who hired me was, um, hired me partly because um, I, had, I had been on the police department, um, but I also think that the experience I got on the police department was invaluable to me as a reporter. I, you know, I got to, I got to see people in, 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 a, in circumstances that are very revealing. And uh, I, I began to understand uh, sort of how things work, you know, in a way that you, you don't understand um, if you're if you're just a student or or not really involved in uh, in, in public affairs. So it was a, it was it turned out that being on, on the police department was a, was a sort of critical uh, in many ways to my um, opportunity as a journalist.
0: Because didn't the editor even say that uh, that was critical, as opposed to uh, having studied journalism? That was something that you could definitely be taught on the job.
1: Well, he did. Um, I mean, I, I suppose there's some some uh, controversy about this, and I and I don't mean to um, to uh, t- take lightly the the idea of studying journalism and, and uh, you know being a journalism major, but. Uh, Mr. Mr. Burrows, the editor, was, uh, was sort of the old school that you know he could teach you how to he could teach you the the nuts and bolts of journalism on the job. Uh, what he said was that I can't teach you good judgment, I can't teach you restraint, I can't teach you uh, taste, I can't teach you these these other qualities that you have to bring to the job, but I can. I can um, I can teach you how to how to ask questions and how to write a news story. So um, his idea was that you the, te- the techniques of journalism could be learned on the job, and and that's really what I did. I you know it, it's a, sometimes it's sometimes a sort of brutal process because um, your bosses are not interested so much in being teachers. They they need somebody who can do the job. And uh, I had one instance when I. Misspelled a couple of words in a story and came back from lunch and the city editor had kind of jammed the story into my typewriter in a in a, in a rage um, and you know it was humiliating but it it made me sensitize me to uh, check my spelling before I turned stories in.
0: So this story life story is uh, again what I feel is a play on words that you're really revealing to us you know, all these details of your life. And it's really interesting to follow this path. And it leads to Life magazine, which uh, I remember as a, as a kid, my uncle, actually. It was still kind of a an expensive thing to have. So, you know, in the family, my uncle was the one who got it. We all got to enjoy it. And it was just an intriguing magazine. We just loved to look at all the pictures and what was going on in the world and there you had your opportunity you were at life you were the editor there that was incredible and fascinating considering you know that the path that we have just talked about
1: well it, it it was an improbable path I think in many ways I mean to 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 go from being a reporter in Albuquerque to being a, a reporter at life magazine was was it was quite a leap it was an amazing leap and it it was um, it it was it was dizzying in some ways because um, to to go from from a, a job at a newspaper where I, I by that time I felt like I knew what I was doing and I had some confidence about about my uh, my work uh, to be then sort of transported into uh, New York and and to the editorial offices uh, with a lot of very uh, worldly smart. Uh, accomplished sophisticated people uh, it was pretty amazing yet it, it was the beginning of a fabulous adventure i mean a really wonderful adventure um not always easy and not always fun but um you know for the next 10 years as the 60s uh, you know that incredibly tumultuous decade unfolded with all of the really uh, in many ways destruction of a lot of old things you know the uh, we, we learned not to always trust our president, and we saw our leaders killed, and we saw people rioting, and um, a lot of things that were not so nice, but they were certainly, uh, they, they got your attention, and they and they made great news stories.
0: And it would have, at the time that you began, there was just no way to ever think that this incredible entity would ever just not be, especially in, in a relatively short time.
1: It was absolutely. Uh, when I went to work at life, I imagined that I would uh, be there when I was 60 years old and, and, and maybe I would be the managing editor and I had all these, these wonderful dreams. And I think I had been there about four years when I realized, um, that the magazine was having, uh, financial problems because, uh, uh, television was was galloping along behind it, catching up. Um, and you know, before television, there was no place really to see the world. If you wanted to know what was going on in the world in, in a visual sense, you really had to look at life magazine, of course, there was look magazine and there were news reels. but week to week, uh, life was where you went to see what was going on in the world by the early 60s, television had begun to do a pretty good job of, of of showing people what was going on in the world, and and by the mid 60s, with with relatively high quality color television, um, they were really pressing us uh, hard uh, for advertising dollars. And um, of course, by 1972, uh, Life um, folded. By, I, I like to talk about it being the supernova years, you know, when it burned brightly and then, and then collapsed. Uh,
0: and then when you consider, you know, things are moving that quickly with television at that time, and when we transport ourselves to now and we think of all the technology and how— the news is so instant and, and it comes from so many directions. I mean, every individual is being that kind of photojournalist in a way, I suppose. I mean, they're not, but you know, when we think of, of them taking pictures of all of that uh, with their cell phones, isn't it just mind boggling?
1: It is. And, and look, you know, looking back on it, I realized that, that, that the experience with life was just the beginning. Uh, it was the beginning of this, this thing that has played out over the next 50 years. we, uh, television disrupted life, uh, cable television disrupted uh, network news. I mean, you, you remember, I'm sure that when the three networks told you they were the last word in uh, in television news. and then along came cable and and the evening news with with whoever uh, became a kind of secondary uh, event. and then, and then the the internet came and uh, and disrupted uh, cable news. Uh, it's the tech the, the march of technology uh, has just um, has been mind-boggling, and and as you say, has totally transformed the the, the whole process.
0: But. Back in the '60s and into the, those early years of the '70s, when you were with Life Magazine and it was, they were the glory years. There was so much going on. You were editor. How did you decide then who you were going to cover? What was going to be the story, and and where to put your energy and focus?
1: Well, Kate, I was the news editor. There was a, I was not the the, the managing editor. It was the was the king of the King of the gar- garden but um, but I did uh, uh, run the news department and as a senior editor and uh, we we made a judgment each each week uh, as to what seemed like it was the you know the thing that people needed to know most uh, about we also made judgments based on you know what would yield good pictures we we uh, there there were some stories that were just simply didn't lend themselves to photographs and um we tended to let time and um and newsweek and and some of the other magazines uh, have have those um not that we gave them to them, but i mean we 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 sort of deferred to them to report those things and we looked for things that we could report um, photographically um, which tended to be you know wars uh, storms um uh, things that were involved with uh, entertainment, um, uh, uh, parties, um, parades, um, Pope coming to America, that sort of thing.
0: What would you say was maybe your the highlight, the most special story that you worked on that really stays with you?
1: Well, I think the, the first big story I did for life um was the was a report on LSD, and uh, that was I, I went to New York uh, as a as a reporter and and in a, and in a relatively short time was sent to Los Angeles as a as a correspondent in the in the bureau where where only a year before I had called uh, Joe Bride off of <laughs> convention floor to ask if I could be a stringer. But uh, when I got there, someone it, it, I was told that uh, there was this drug around called LSD. It was still legal. And um, that, uh, that a lot of people were taking it, and uh, that it was maybe going to change the world, it was going to change human nature. And uh, so uh, I was sent with a photographer out to find out what we could about this. And it, it just kept unfolding. It kept getting to, it was a bigger and bigger story. We started off going to an apartment in, in Los Angeles where a few young people were taking um, uh, took LSD and Tripped and and we wound up going to Laredo where they were trying uh, Timothy Leary on a drug charge relative related to the LSD and um, we, we really went all over the country and and uh, tracking down all the various aspects of the LSD story the the, um, the electric we went to the electric kool-aid acid test that Tom Wolf made uh, made famous later uh, we we uh, were around, you know, Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters and all the, all those people. They were not iconic uh, then, you know. When 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 we heard the uh, the Grateful Dead play, I didn't know who the Grateful Dead were and uh, didn't didn't pay much attention. Uh, <laughs> later on, you say, oh, those are the guys that were at the uh, garage that night playing when they were uh, dropping acid.
0: So that really obviously still stays very strongly with you and and all of us are certainly you know even if we weren't living at that time are certainly aware of that time i think
1: well i think so because i mean a lot of these things are are still around i mean uh uh lsd is 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 still around although that that sort of like the the internet the the whole drug scene apparently has changed now there's a you know, a thousand different drugs that cause you to have psychedelic experiences. Um, but those were the big, it was sort of like being there at the creation in some, in some respects, you know, to be there when before anyone knew much about LSD when it was still legal uh, and, and not really having a sense of, of where it would ultimately go, but sort of saying to the, the public, you know, heads up, here's something that's going to be uh, important.
0: There was uh, what was really key, and I think I can still in my mind uh, see the cover of Life that was the the photographs of the massacre at My How were you, how was it to cover that? To decide to do that story for Life.
1: Well, you know, we had heard that there we'd heard about this this uh, event in Vietnam when when it sounded like a a, a platoon of 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 soldiers had, had simply massacred a, a village. Um, it had been sort of floating around in, in 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 various ways that we were aware of. It. Uh, Cy Hirsch had written a, an article about it. Uh, people were very reluctant to print it. They were they were first of all they found it hard to believe, and secondly, uh, it was very hard to to, to pin it down. But one day, uh, a reporter from Cleveland called me and said, uh, we've got color photographs of this massacre. And uh, I said, well, you know, bring them to New York immediately and let me look at them. And and he did. And it turned out that they'd been taken by an Army photographer um, who he pointed out was using his own camera when he took these pictures. Um, uh, They were really horrible to look at but there was no question that the people who were being who were who were being shot and who had been shot were not combatants they were children and women and old men and and people who they're obviously unarmed they were not any threat to anyone Um, and we felt it was i felt that it was important uh to print these pictures partly because I felt that it, it showed that this, this idea of, of measuring winning the war in body count was a terrible lie. That uh, counting the number of people you killed and saying this tells us whether we're winning the war or not had, had never been a good idea, and uh, it had led to some really macabre things. So I, I had a point of view about this. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't being um, objective or neutral in that sense. What I did want to do was to be absolutely certain that these pictures were not, uh, that were what they uh, were purported to be. And uh, we we made uh, black and white uh, prints of all of these pictures. We found the names of every person who had been in this platoon. We sent correspondence out with these pictures to the people who had been in the platoon, and we said, you know, have you seen these pictures before? And, uh, and the soldiers said, yes, yes, we did this. Uh, this we did this in Vietnam. And, uh, I mean, it was very traumatic. They, some of the soldiers broke into tears. Uh, they, were, they were not happy about uh, what had happened. But um, once we had really authenticated the reality of these pictures, we felt it was in the national interest to print them. So we did.
0: And I guess that's so key here. You were saying that you were not being neutral, but you wanted to give this honest portrayal. And I guess that's the bottom line: is to really just give the real story. People can then make what decision they want of it after on their own.
1: Well, I agree. Yes, and I and I don't think I don't think that journalists are ever really neutral. I mean, they say they are. Sometimes people say they're neutral, or that they are. Are completely objective I, I think everyone has a point of view um, whether you admit it or not that you'd have a point of view I think what's important in in journalism is that the journalism be transparent that the reader understand where you got the information and how you got it so that they can make a judgment about it um, I, I think that it's it's a it's a it's a process of being of, of honesty between the between the journalists and and the public that is critical. Not that the journalists. When I read the New York Times, I know that they have certain biases. When I read the Wall Street Journal, I know they have certain biases. But if I know what those biases are and they tell me what, what their sources are and how they know this stuff, then I can make a decision about it. And I think that's what you owe the public.
0: Life Story, The Education of an American Journalist. This is so interesting. It's just uh, so intriguing to follow your path and the things that you did and the people you met. I found it just to be quite an adventure. And uh, obviously, it it was very much an adventure for you. And uh, you have really relished all of the time that you have devoted in your life to writing.
1: I have. Um, I, I I love writing, and I and I really loved writing this book, and it's it's been a it's been a wonderful thing to sort of have it in hand, and I you know I'm I'm glad that I made a record of of my experience. I'm glad I made a record of the uh, experience of a journalist in the '60s and '70s, but I have to admit that I'm also really happy that my grandkids are going to know that I do more than just prune roses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, there was this huge, vibrant, you know, worldly life that went on and, you know, meeting key figures of the time. Uh, even for yourself, living through that, that was quite an awesome experience, was it not?
1: Oh, it was. You know, I, I mean, getting to be in an entourage with, with Bobby Kennedy or with, with Gene McCarthy or getting to be hang out with movie stars was—it's not a bad thing. It was a lot of fun, uh, and I learned a lot. I had not had a very high opinion of actors until I was around some good actors, and I realized suddenly that these are, you know, educated, uh, intelligent people, and they—what they're doing is really is an art. I mean, every actor is not an artist, but the good actors are terrific, terrific artists, and I—I I learned a lot. You know, you think that sometimes you think a journalist is supposed to know it ahead of time, but I certainly didn't. I learned a great deal as 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 I went along.
0: And so, actually, that brings us kind of right around to how we began our conversation. Is uh, and I think there's such a vital message here for any of us that uh, education happens as we are living life, that uh, opportunities come along, they are choices that we make and decisions are made, and look at the life that we create out of doing that.
1: Absolutely. I, I Well, you know, the, that old thing about I wish I had known <laughs> then what I know now. But, of course, uh, it wouldn't be the same story because you probably wouldn't have played the cards in quite the same way.
0: Isn't that so? Well, this has been a wonderful time of stories, Gerald Moore. I so appreciate that you decided to write Life Story, The Education of an American Journalist, and certainly I'm so happy that you've spent all this time with us this morning to give us these insights.
1: Okay, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you.
0: Likewise.